We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Steve Graham, recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Awesome. Hey, um, yeah, actually, I'd love to pray first before we take a seat. How about, we, I don't know how you engage with God. Close your eyes, raise a hand or something. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You want to do good things in our life. God, parts of our life that have kind of been broken down and walls broken and stuff. God, you just want to rebuild. You want to make our lives feel strong and whole. You want us to face life with confidence and hope and expectation of good. And so, Lord, I, I invite your presence here to come and, and just rebuild areas of our life into something strong and good. May we go out of this place just feeling more alive, more whole than when we walked in here. So we open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, come and do your work, we pray. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We trust you. You're a good God. We know you always want to do good things. You're just so nice. You're so lovely. We welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We receive from you. Why don't you just, uh, I want to get on and speak. Why don't you just kind of just receive from God just for a minute. Just receive from Him. He's a lovely God. He's a lovely God. Man, He's just so kind and giving. He just loves doing nice things in our lives. Restoring, rebuilding, refreshing. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Thanks, guys. Awesome. 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 Hey, um, in the context of kind of purpose-driven life and thinking about uh, the place of fellowship and stuff, this morning I talked about relationships in general and that I love the fact that uh, Equippers, we're not just here to uh, build a church, a great church, which is what you are, but we're here to equip people for life. Yeah. So I talked about relationship and relationship goals and how God wants to equip us in the whole area of relationships. And tonight I want to focus on a particular um, kind of relationship. I want to talk about uh, romance, sexuality, uh, and all that. So this, I don't see any kids. This is probably like an R13 sermon, like seriously. So if you've got anyone under that, give them an iPad quickly or whisk them out. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Um, Oh, PG kind of thing. Um, so, uh, and um, Pastor Will actually asked me to talk on this. So I, I was wondering when I was, maybe he's just trying to get Pastor Desiree to remember fondly, you know, looking forward to him coming back. So I don't know, anyway. Anyway, so, um, who knows? But, um, but I don't know if you know, but there's a, whole, there's a whole book about romance in the Bible, seriously. There's a whole book about romance and sexuality. Western Christianity obviously uh, has, uh, has struggled with this area, but particularly Jewish spirituality has never struggled with the idea that this is a God-given area of our lives and God's got a purpose for it and that it's good. So um, hopefully it's going to work. It's actually um, the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, a whole book about love and romance. And so um, I, I just want to kind of take a, a quick guided tour through this book and see what we could learn about this area of our lives. Because I believe God wants us to flourish in the area of relationships. And this is such an important area that God would want, to, want us to be well and whole in our soul in this area. And so I, that's why I just want to encourage you just to be open if, you, if you've been hurt, if, you, if stuff's not gone well or whatever, just to, th just to get a vision. God 
restore my vision of what you want in this area of my life, and, and even rebuild some of it. Um, and so uh, it's an interesting song. It's kind of like a musical with three parts. Like there's the guy's part, it's called the lover. There's the woman's part, who's called the beloved. And there's this group of friends called the chorus. And it kind of it leads us through this journey of their relationship. So what I want to do is kind of follow this journey through this book and see what it could teach us about, uh, about this area of relationships, of romance, sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Is that all right? Yeah. No one's going no to fall asleep during this one, I, I suspect, so um, <laughs> which will be good. Um, but just to start, it's actually called the Song of Songs. It's in Hebrew, they don't have a word like, they don't have a, that, big, that construction and grammar, big S, high S, large S, so they just repeat something. Like king of kings doesn't mean he's the, he means he's like the kingiest king of the kings kind of the Lord and the Lord and so holy of holies means the holiest place so song of songs actually is a claim like this is the greatest song so Solomon wrote over a thousand songs he's like this is the greatest song that he wrote quite possibly meaning this is the greatest song ever which when you stack it up we've got pretty close to a book of Psalms 150 Psalms and yet there's this claim this book a song about romance is claim that it's the greatest song ever written. And so you, you suddenly see like this, there's a celebration in the middle of our Bible about, about romance. And Christians have interpreted it as a kind of picture of our relationship with God. And that's the second step that's totally valid. But the first step is it's a celebration of love and romance. And so uh, yeah, and so we want to follow through. And, and again, it uses lots of images of sensory uh, stuff around um, smells and, and, and spices and stuff. They're all images of sensuality and sexuality. And, and it kind of portrays this as a really positive uh, image. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know it's going to be an interesting book because the first verse after is, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine, which translated... It's like, you know, when I think about it, a good kiss is better than a good glass of wine. You're like, this is going to be an interesting book, right? That, that's the opening line. You know, anyway. And then, and then quickly it escalates from there because two verses, you know, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume, you know. Verse four, chapter one, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. It's like, let's go to bed. Now, it's a married couple, but seriously, by the fourth verse, it's already like, let's go to bed. So it's like... This is going to be a really interesting book. Um, and it's in the Bible, so don't look at me like that. Like, it's in the Bible, okay? So we're going to like, oh, my goodness. Uh, how did this relationship develop? How did it happen? And so, so let's, let's go for a wander through this relationship. Um, and so it begins, uh, oh, and their friends are like, yeah, your, lo your love is better than wine. Like, yeah, go for it. Like, <laughs> awesome. Um, but then they but here, here's where it starts. So the beloved, it's a woman, and it's like, this is where it starts. Dark I am yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Do not stare at me because I am dark. I it's not a racist book. At that time, if you were wealthy, you stayed inside. If you're poor, you worked out in the fields and you got dark. And so, and so she's just this. But what's interesting, it doesn't, as soon as you touch this area, it goes straight to our vulnerability, doesn't it? Straight to our sense of insecurity. As soon as, like straight away after the introduction, she's right there like, I feel insecure in this area. Could anyone love me, really? Is anyone going to find me attractive? I, I kind of feel like they could, but then there's this other, and it's like, man, there's nothing like this area to take us straight to our areas of insecurity and, and, and feeling not good enough. Is, is someone going to love me? 
Am I going to find true love in my life? And there's just both this ache and fear and kind of straight away. Um, It's interesting because... um, you know, in a kind of patriarchal culture, the whole book, like, it's the woman that drives this relationship. Like, because at the start, it's like, that's her beloved. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock, where you rest your sheep. Uh, and it, she's like, her friend's like, if you do not know, go. Like, she's like, I spotted this guy. He's hot. Like, I want to, I want to, I like him. And, that, and her friends are like, go for it. Like, find out where he works. <laughs> go and hang out at the cafe kind of where he's working and get to meet him kind of thing. And, um, and, and so she, she, she pursues him, which is kind of interesting in this whole kind of culture. And then he obviously has spotted her. That's a lover thing. And he, he's quite attracted to her. And I, and I love that this is her thing. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. Like she just wanders into the cafe pretending to ignore him and kind of, and, and suddenly he's like, whoa, look at her. And she's just like, you know, pretending to ignore her, but like she's like she just she's trying to win this guy over, and um, and he he's um, he's kind of impressed. And so down the bottom, he's like, "Wow, how beautiful you are, my darling! Oh, how beautiful!" And um, and the, here's one of the things, and I need to. It's so easy to kind of get cynical. You know, cynicism. There's a definition of cynicism as hurt idealism. And and again, one of this this book is unashamedly totally romantic at the start. And, and, and it's almost for us to voice, be able to get past the ah, ha, ha, mock to go, no, this, there's something in our hearts that desires this. You know, and this guy, like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the maidens. And it's like this cry, man, if somebody would look at me and see like you're the only one. Like everyone else compared to you is nothing. You're the, you're the one. I almost said you're the one that I want. That's old. It's been not go there. But it's like, but that's like, there's something in us that wants somebody to look at us and go, like, I'm attracted to you more than anyone else. And and this the Bible is affirming this hunger and desire for that kind of relationship. And and you know, and she um she, the relationship starts developing. His fruit is sweet to my taste. This whole thing of the whole sensory experience. Uh, with him and meeting him. And then down at verse six, seems to be the first time that there's kind of some physical embrace. His left hand is under my head and his right arm embraces me. So somehow he's holding on to her. And then she says this, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of this field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. It's like she was enraptured, she was in, she caught in love, she was infatuated. Suddenly the first time he holds her, She's like, whoa, this is so powerful. Like, this is so strong, so beautiful, so positive. But just because there's a time and a place for this. And it, suddenly she realizes this is such an overwhelmingly wonderful part of my life. But I want to be careful that there's a time and a place for this. And she's suddenly like, whoa, um, this, could, this could be so wonderful or it could be so destructive in my life. And so I want to, I want to, I just like, whoa, just look, protect this area of my life because it could be wonderful or it could get really hurt. And this is a refrain that will come up a number of times through the book. So learning, this is something, one of the themes is an un, totally unashamed celebration of love and romance and sexuality and yet a sense like, oh, this could be really destructive. This could cause a lot of hurt 
in the wrong place. And so it's like, oh man, we would want to protect this part of our lives because it could be so beautiful or it could be so hurtful. Um, oh, did that jump over one? Uh, and so then, you know, and now their, their relationship is getting underway. Uh, and so, you know, they're all, in, she's all enraptured. And sorry, it's dropped off the bottom. But again, this unashamed idealism. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. It's like, I'm in love. And it's all one, and everything's wonderful and everything's starry-eyed. And this is like, in the Bible, this unashamed thing, this relationship has started and she just thinks everything's wonderful. And it's like, isn't it great this is God's idea that there would be a time in our life it's like that you fall in love and that, and that you're just totally like, life just looks different now because I'm in love. And, 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 you know, it goes, and it goes like flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves are heard in the land, the fig tree. It's just like everything's wonderful because I've found love. And, and this is part of the Old Testament wisdom literature. This is part of human life that God wants us to flourish in. And part of it is this desire to discover love and this wonderful season. And, and, and if you know, it carries on. But then already down in verse 15 of chapter 2, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. And it's like, even in this moment of pure love, man, it just, there's, just be careful, there's some little things that could spoil this. When, when you're so in love and everything, just a little, a little attitude that just hurts, a little, a little snapping at something, just a little action that's a bit rude or inconsiderate. And it's like, why would you, like, if this is so wonderful, and, and it's not going to last forever, that romance infatuation stage, but it's a beautiful stage, just be, just like protect it because it's so lovely. Just be careful of what you say, careful of the little things that could damage it this time. Just a word, a phrase, a tone of voice, a look, a behavior that, why would you, why would you not want to nurture this thing for, uh, for as long as it um, could last? And, and then she makes this phrase, like, my lover is mine and I am his. It's like, I got a boyfriend. <laughs> she suddenly felt, life is good. And, and again, this phrase is going to morph. It's going to transition throughout the book into a mature form of love. But this is the start. Everything's wonderful. It's like the winter is over. It's spring. Um, I'm all in love and I've got a boyfriend. And it's like, great, that's actually God's idea, that we would have those moments in life when we feel uh, we're loved, we're valued, and, we're, and we've got this wonderful, just infatuation romance. It's God's idea. And how, it's just, how cool is that? And the, this book in the Bible absolutely celebrates it. And then, by then, you're now in chapter three, and now, interesting, all night long on my bed, I look for the one my heart loves, and, and, and you can go through and searching. I, do you know what, I reckon, what, this is, I think for the first time, she's lying awake at, at night, and she's sexually aroused, and she's like, whoa, this is such a powerful force in my life that leads again to this refrain, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and those of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it's, again, it's like, this is a powerful force in my life, powerful force in my body even. It's like, this could be so incredible or out of, it could be so destructive. And I just want this to be everything that God intended it to be. So I, I wanna know how to, how to treat this area of my life well is what she's saying. And I just, just, I want to be careful with this area because it's so special and so beautiful and so significant. Um, and then, you know, the, 
the song, and, and the, the book progresses towards they're, they're going to get married. And so it progresses towards this thing that it's Solomon coming, and he's all dressed wonderfully, and this, on his wedding day, the day his heart rejoiced. They, she said, they're going to get married. And it's like, that's this wonderful thing of this moment when they're going to commit together for life and be joined as one for life. Um, and, and now there's this thing that they just kind of celebrate each passages where they just kind of talk about the other person and it, and it, you know, part of it is the ancient Near Eastern context, the bar's a bit lower than for some, like, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing, each one has its twin, like, she's a real hottie, she's got all her teeth. <laughs> like, yeah, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. We didn't have good dentists uh, back then, well they didn't. Uh, but you know, they go and, and it just like, just talks about, and he's, and actually it's this, it's not like, well, she's got a great character and she's got a great servant heart. It's actually captiva- captivated with her body and, and the sensual appeal. Like, this is God's idea. And there's this, the, just total, but then down verse 7, all beautiful you are, my darling, there is no flaw in you. Like, you want somebody to say that about you at some point in your life, particularly walking up. You know, I, lo- I love taking weddings. There's two special moments. There's, there's the exchange of vows, and they promise to do that. But the first moment is actually when the bride appears at the back and walks up. And it's like, if you're, if you're if, guys, if you haven't got your tears, if you haven't got tears in your eyes at that moment, like, what are you doing there? <laughs> there's got to be, like, here comes the most beautiful woman in the world about to walk up the aisle towards me. And she's perfect. And it's like, this is, unash- and it's like, oh, this, this is how um, this guy's feeling. Like, there is no flaw in you. Well, of course there are, but like, there's got to be a moment when you're like, she's perfect. She's perfect. And isn't it cool that God loves that kind of moment? And there's a celebration in the Bible of that moment where that guy goes, oh, the most beautiful woman in the world uh, is going to marry me today. I think it's awesome. Oh, and, and then it carries on. Verse nine, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride, you've stolen my heart. Again, this is God's idea that at some point your heart would be completely captivated by somebody and you would just be totally in love with them and they would think that you're wonderful and, and you think they're wonderful and that this is God's, in, God's idea and God's invention. Um, and, and then heading towards, it just makes this really interesting phrase. Verse 12, you are, a garden, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride, you're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. It's the image of uh, ancient Near East, the king owned everything, but he had a special walled garden that was the place that he would, and there would be special fruit trees and spices and stuff, and he would, that was his private place to go and enjoy these delicacies of life. And, and the word for that was paradise. So that's what Jesus today you'll be in paradise. But it's the image of a walled garden of sensory pleasures within there. And this is the image of the Bible image of our sexuality, which is an interesting tension, because on one hand, you have traditional religion, which is very prudish and negative, you know, about sexuality. And the other hand is, no, it's all wonderful and just have fun. And this image combines the two that, no, within there, there's this garden of sensory pleasures but it's walled around and you choose to let somebody walk in there and enjoy it at the right time. I think it's an incredibly beautiful picture of sexuality. 
a garden of pleasure that at a certain, I invite someone to come in and enjoy, and we enjoy this thing together. Uh, I, yeah, it's an incredible, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. And so they start to already, all the images of spices, and it kind of starts to be overwhelming sensory thing on their wedding day, heading towards um, the consummation of their marriage and, you know, heading off the bed. Uh, and, uh, and, and she, fin- and the, the end of the chapter, she finishes with this, let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. She's like, um, just, see what I mean? It's kind of this unashamed celebration of sensory pleasure and delight. And at this point, their wedding day, she's like, uh, come and enjoy. Here's the interesting thing. If you go, the next verse, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. But if you notice, this is chapter five, verse one. Let my lover come in as chapter four. It's like there's a chapter break between. It's like the ad break. (laughs) It's like the fade out. Interesting that a book that is unashamed celebration of sensory pleasure does a fade out at the moment of consummation. And it's like, in the name of art, don't say in the name of, it's just art. It's like, no, no, there's a, this is private and personal. You, we don't need to discuss the actual moment yeah. of genital sex. Yeah. And, and so there's this bi- biblical, it's not because we're prudish. It's, it's, like, it's like, it's just private for them. And so even in this book, I mean, we're not going to talk about the moment of consummation because it's private and it's personal and they've enjoyed it together. And so the chapter picks up pretty much the next morning. And and the friends are like, yeah, eat, oh, friends, and drink. Drink, you're like, enjoy this whole part of your life now. Like, God's made this to be wonderful. God's made this for you to enjoy it uh, in private. And you think, man, like, it can't, you know, they fell in love, they've been infatuated, they've been, it's all wonderful, they're married, and it's like, it's all gonna live happily ever after. Right? No, unfortunately not. Because and things start going wrong pretty quickly. And and there's some lessons here. And so here, here's you know here's the woman. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling. And verse three, like she's like, ah, I've taken off my robe. I put my curlers in. I must, you know, I washed my gone to bed. I put my face mask on. Like uh, like he's like he's keen to have sex, and she's like, no, I'm too tired. And then, and then, um, and, and, then um, and then he's still keen, he's still pursuing, and, and then she starts to kind of think, oh, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea, but if you know anything about, I don't know why God did this, but God's wired men and women quite differently, so just as she's starting getting interested, he's given up, and uh, <laughs> verse five, I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped, like, like, she's like, I'm good to go now, and he's like, I'll open for my lover, but he'd left, he's gone. And he's, it's like they just missed each other. Welcome to the world of married life. <laughs> they just missed each other. The timing was all off. And, 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 and she goes out and she looks for him and, and the image of Watchmen and, the, and beat, and it's like, he, from this beautiful thing, she just ends up getting, feeling hurt. Misunderstood and hurt. And it's like, for such a wonderful, it's just so easy to get hurt in this whole area of our lives. Um, But I love what happens next because um, her friends come in to help. 
And her friends do something, if you ever end up in marriage counseling, one of the things that I'll do is say, I want you to write down the things that you fell in love with about this person. I want you to go back and remember what, what captivated your heart. And that's what her friends say to her. At this moment of hurt and pain, she's like, how is your beloved better than the others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others? They're like, come on, how, remember, go back and revisit what you fell in love with. And it's like, this is, this is 21st century marriage counseling in an ancient book. Go back and remember, don't just give up, don't give up, like rebuild the intimate, rebuild the, rebuild the infatuation, rebuild the sense of captivation. Rebuild the sense of being in love. And so she, she does remember. And again, it's funny. It's not like, oh, he's just a really faithful, God-loving man. It's like his head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy. His, you know, his cheeks. And then, you know, down here, his le- verse 15, his legs are pillars of marble. It's like, tell me, you know, it's not like he's got a great Christian character. It's like, he's got great legs. <laughs> he's, like, this is in the Bible. And his mouth is sweetness itself. And the, but here's the thing. Verse 16, this is my lover, this my friend. Oh, yeah, I've remembered. This is the person I fell in love with. I, 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 yeah, I got hurt, but this is my, isn't that a great line? This is, this is my lover, this my friend. Yeah, we're in love and we're friends. Yeah, we got hurt, but I managed to rebuild some intimacy. And... Um, and so then they reflect a bit. But then down in verse three, here's this transition. Now she says, oh, I am my lover's and my lover is mine. Remember at the start is, is my lover is mine and I am his. It's like, I got a boyfriend. Now, because she's gone through something, she suddenly, it's, it's changed its order. Oh, I am my lover's. It's almost like, oh, it's not so much like I've got something. It's like, oh, I'm in this relationship and I need to make sure I invest in it. I just can't take it, for, you know, it was all wonderful and love and infatuation and I thought that I had this and all my needs so were gonna be, it's like, oh, actually, I need to look after this relationship because it can get damaged pretty quickly, can take some hits and so suddenly it's, it's actually reversed, the order. So I'm thinking about how do I nurture this person in this relationship? Yeah, it's reciprocal, but my first thought is I actually need to invest in this relationship, not just think it's all gonna be wonderful. Uh, and so now he's kind of reflect because now she's all back in love. He's now keen again as well, and he's all reflecting on her and how wonderful. Uh, again, I don't know why he's got this thing about teeth down in verse six again about each one has its twin, not one of them is alone. But um, but um, but again, he's recovered this thing. Verse nine, my dove, my perfect one is unique. How cool is that? They'd, they'd hurt each, they'd missed each other, they'd hurt, but they back like, man, we're just totally in love again. Like there's no one else for me. She's the one. He's the one. And it's like that ability to rebuild moments of just delight and infatuation and go, this is part of what God's idea for our lives. Um, and like, like the first thing, like she, they missed each other because of her thing and then, then they missed each other because of his business stuff. And so again, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley, see if the vines had budded. So he's out checking out his business. Verse 12, before I realized that my desire set me among the royal chariot. He's out looking at cars. He's got this beautiful wife at home and he's out with the boys fixing cars. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like there's this beautiful woman at home that loves you. What are you doing wasting time with those guys? 
fixing cars. Like, go home and look after this woman. Um, and, and again, it's interesting. I think women are much more sensitive to the feeling of something's not right here. And it's interesting, the friends spoke straight to her, remember? Like, tell us what was good about it. And she responded to it. But they have to be more subtle with him. So they start talking to her. Come back, come back, oh, Shula Mike, come back that we may gaze upon you. So they're like, man, she's amazing. Like, your wife is amazing. She's incredible. And he's like, oh, is she? Oh, right. Like, what? like oh, yeah, why would you gaze on her? Oh, it's like, duh, dummy. And her friend's like, think about this beautiful woman that you're ignoring at home. Like, give her some attention. Think about it, dummy. <laughs> Forget about your stupid cars. And so he's like, oh, yeah. And so he starts to think, and again, it's not like, oh, she's such a godly Christian woman. It's like, yeah, verse one, your graceful legs and your navel and your waist and your breasts and your neck. Uh, and he's kind of reflecting on that. And here's, this is actually the most explicit part in the book, sexually. So he kind of, your st- verse seven, your stature is like that of a palm. Your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Like, oh, you're a bit like a palm tree with coconuts up there. I think I'll, I think I'll climb up and grab the coconuts. It's like, is that your A-game romance, man? Like, seriously? <laughs> That's your idea of romance? It's like, guys aren't very bright sometimes. That, that's his idea of, of wooing her. It's not very good, eh? But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, and so now, but that's sometimes guys are not very good at it. But anyway, now you get to the third... Remember, it was like, oh, my lover is mine. Oh, yeah, and I'm his. But the main thing, I've got a boyfriend. Then, oh, no, I am my lover's and he is mine. I need to invest in this. There's the third level. I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. By now, you've realized, actually, it's not just infatuation. Things can go wrong. And it's like, do you know what? I can't believe that I have the privilege that someone still wants me and, and she's stuck with me and, uh, and she still wants to be with me. And so I need, to, I need to regard that as precious. Someone has given their heart to me. I need to look after that. That's the greatest gift. Back here, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a boyfriend. It's a wonderful. Over here, it's like, someone has chosen to give their heart to me. That's the greatest thing that I'm going to find in life. I should treasure that more than anything else because it's an act of someone giving themselves to me. And so now they, now they realize, man, we need to invest in our relationship. We need to invest in this and the sexual part of a relationship. So again, it's her idea. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Like, let's go away for a romantic weekend. Like, she's like, we're going to keep this part of our, our life alive and vibrant. And so they go out, uh, you know, they're away for the weekend. And, um, and again, down in verse 3, again, they're married, but they're, you know, his left hand is under my head, his right arm embraces me. And for the final time again, she's still like, Man, this is such a powerful force in our lives. Again, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. It's like, there's a theme throughout this book, like, this is such an incredible, beautiful, God-ordained part of our lives. Just, there's a right place for it and to really thrive and flourish. And just, and just man, I just want to protect this part of my life. It's not prudish, it's not negative. It's just like, because it's so beautiful and so powerful, I just want to get this right. 
And, and so you head towards the end of the book, which is kind of a reflection, interesting reflection down in verse six. Sounds about, actually sounds about Freudian if any psychology graduates here. Love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. It's like, this is such a powerful force in my life. It's one of the strongest forces. Like, I, wanna, I want this to nurture me towards wholeness. I want this to nurture, nurture me towards healthy relationships. This could be incredible force for good or it could be incredibly destructive. I want it to be good in my life. Um, and, and, I, and I love that, I love it, let's say, you know, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. It's like, you can't buy this, you can't force it. Someone chooses to let you into their garden. Someone chooses to give their heart to you. And suddenly you realize, this is more important than wealth, my bank balance, my business success, that somebody gives their heart to me and that I give my heart to someone else. It's like, oh, this, this is really significant. And, and so then they do a bit of reflection. We have a young sister, Bresa, not yet grown. What should we do for her? First of interest, if she has a wall, we'd build towers of silver on her. If she has a door, we'd enclose her. It's like, man, when I look at the younger, I just love to kind of protect them from some of the hurt that I found. I love to kind of, if we could just somehow stop them getting hurt in this area to the time when they can freely engage and celebrate in something of God's given plan for this. So I love to protect the next generation from feeling the hurt that I experienced. And, and, and that's kind of the sentiment. <clears throat> and, and then as we're coming to the end, like what I said before, He's Solomon, he's got all this wealth, he could buy anything he wants, this verse 12, but my own vineyard is mine to give. That's why sexual abuse is so terrible. Because it's your territory for you to give voluntary to someone who just committed themselves to you. Someone violates that. It's a gross violation of God's plan. Because we're supposed to freely give to someone that we love who has pledged their love to us. Uh, and so, you know, and, and the book finishes again with this unashamed celebration, come away, my lover, be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. It's like, this is gonna be a wonderful part of our life. And, we want, and that's the whole book in the Bible. In the middle of the Old Testament, these wisdom books about how to do life well. Like, this is an area of life to do well. Subject in Proverbs about money, about your language, about friend, but then there's a whole book about how to do romance well. Isn't that amazing? Like God would want this part of your life to be wonderful, not hurting and not damaging. You know, the, um, the rabbis, uh, and, and so it's not surprising that this was called the greatest song ever. Isn't that amazing? The greatest song ever is a song about human love and romance and sexuality and marriage. Um, the rabbis actually thought that the Song of Solomon was an extended commentary on a little, the first ever, the first song in the Bible, which is a love song. It's found in Genesis chapter two. I'll just show you where they thought it came from. So if you ever, don't ever ask me to take your wedding because I only got one wedding message. It's from this. It's my three minute wedding message, okay? And, it, and it's from this. I say, you know, there's an ancient the, uh, record of the first ever wedding and it just says this, you know, the God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him help her. And it's like, oh, the first purpose of marriage is intimacy. God doesn't want us alone. He wants, he wants, us, to be, he wants us to find soulmate and partner in life. 
And that's the first purpose of marriage. And so then uh, when I take the wedding, so, then, so, so God puts a man into a deep sleep, takes a rib out of his side, forms a woman. And so I always say, you know, and he wakes up out of a deep sleep and there standing in front of him is a woman and a naked woman. It's like, it's in the Bible. And, um, and so then I go, and so he does what any normal red-blooded male would do. He breaks out in a love poem. Supposed to laugh then. They do it at the wedding ceremony. But he got, and this is bone, my, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she'll be called woman. And this points to the second purpose of marriage is passion. And he go, yeah, God wants you to be soulmates and partners, but he also wants you to be the delight of each other's eyes all the days of your life. He wants you to find delight and romance. And it's the second purpose of marriage. And then the narrative steps out of it for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. And that's the third purpose of marriage, commitment. And so I say, you know, from a biblical point of view, under these pillars of intimacy, passion, and commitment, it says the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. And it's within those boundaries you have the place for you to know and be known. And that's God's plan. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so beautiful? Like, that's God's idea. It's interesting, there's a psychologist who's this thing called Sternberg's Love Triangle. He's, this is a modern psychologist. Three pillars to marriage. Intimacy, three pillars to love, intimacy, passion, and commitment. It's in the book of Genesis 4,000 years ago, but now it's modern psychology. So I go, oh, and, and he's got this whole theory. You can have just one, you can have just intimacy. It's called liking or friendship. But there's no passion and there's no commitment. You're just really close, really good friends. Here's something you need to know. You can have just passion. It's called infatuation. Of course you fall in love. You know, you see this person across the room and suddenly you're just all wonderful and you're infatuated. It's a real thing, but it's not love. It's not full love. Anyone ever been totally infatuated and then you see this person a couple of months later and you go, ooh, what was I thinking? Because you're infatuated. You projected a whole lot of stuff on them. So it's real, but you don't have to act on it. And so, or you can have just commitment. It's called empty love. There's no more intimacy, there's no more passion. It's comm- but at least there's some foundation to go, come on, let's rebuild something. Yeah. Or you can have two out of three. You can have intimacy and commitment. We companion it. There's no spark. Of delight, but we, we're friends and we're committed to each other. You can have intimacy and passion. It's called romantic love. But there's no commitment yet. Or you can have passion and commitment. I know some people, you know, they fell and saw each other across the room, fell in love, proposed, they're married six weeks later. Yeah, there's passion, but they don't know each other. There's not intimacy yet. They could grow it. Or you can have what he calls the three together, consummate love. Isn't that great? That's God's plan. You would find intimacy, passion, and commitment. And there would be this journey to discover that. Can I get the musicians back up? You know, there would be a whole lot of interesting conversations that we could have around what you make of all of this, what's your experience. Because I know that we live in a fallen world, this I know, all of us deep down have this desire to find love. Because we live in a fallen world, all of us will have been hurt and all of us will have experienced something that is less than that ideal. Can I invite you to stand?
You know, and I love the fact that we serve a God of the second chance, the God of new beginnings, the God of redemption, the God of rebuilding. And I just have a bit of a sense tonight that God is here almost to his idea, this is a beautiful area and I want it to be protected and where the walls have been broken down either through someone else's actions or you did some things that now you regret, whatever. But God's here just to rebuild that sense that it's whole, that it's safe, that this is such a significant part of our lives. I'm just an old guy. I'm a granddad. But for many of you who are younger, it's like God wants something beautiful for you in this area. And I feel a bit like I wish that we, some of us, could just protect you from some of the hurt that we found and build a wall to protect that you could find the most beautiful relationship that God has for you. And, um, yeah, just let God touch your heart now. God really loves you. God really wants wonderful things for you. God really wants you to feel wonderful about yourself, wonderful about your sexuality. And God willing that you would find someone where there's this incredible journey of discovering true love. And so just, you know, I just, like I said, I'm aware so many of us carry hurt, so many of us just taps into our insecurities. And um, we're just going to sing a worship song, but... We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.